0: blog talk radio
1: hey good morning blog talk listeners tom hayes here on upbeat and we have the wonderful the amazing the controversial guess we can add controversial to our adjectives this week uh sarah newton from the uk sarah how are you
2: i'm fine
1: thank you yeah
2: controversial (laughs) i think i've always been controversial i think everyone's just starting to get it
1: That's right, big time. What, you had 1.5 million shares on the article about you? Yes. Uh, uh, I
2: know of. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's maybe more now, but yeah, that's what it was when um, we sort of vaguely counted them up. Last week, last Thursday. So it's a week on now. So who knows? Oh, I'm where I'm sure it is. it's
1: way. Uh, yeah, I'm sure it's way over that. I, I'm proud of you. I, I'm kudos to you. Let me just explain that Sarah is an expert in many fields, predominantly, primarily in teens and children and uh, parenting, and then of course, uh, you know, you, you do all those other amazing things. And you're, uh, can we tell them you were an ex barbie I just did, and that yeah. you found your way. <laughs> And you found your passion, you found the element, and when we decided to do this show, we wanted to originally, I mean, that was history. I mean, we did an article about uh, putting pressure on, sh- on uh, kids to achieve, and I wanted, I thought it would make a great uh, conversation, and since then, this whole thing has exploded about your daughter's dress and uh, femininity, and more importantly, I think which ties into it uh, extremely well, is the female archetype,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: and uh, and i think this is just we're seeing um a symptom of maybe what you're talking about so uh you pick it which one first i i think the uh, female oh,
2: i'm i'm easy go with go with either i'm i'm good to go on any
1: oh let's talk about the hot one and then we'll get to the uh the passion versus uh pressure and all of that um so you like I, I have to again thank you, and I thank you on past shows. That uh, uh, by the way, I think these these podcasts will make great books uh, when I get around to it. When I stop writing my own <laughs> right now, yeah. but uh, yeah, there's but so I much pithy, yeah. <laughs> so much pithy information and dialogue in these things. So you recommended a book to me on my very first visit. Uh, the writer's journey, which you told me would change my life, and it certainly did. It changed my whole perspective on what life really is, and that it is simply, not just simply, but it's two things. It's a game and a story. And in both the game and the story, there are archetypes. And it's not the, the particular individuals that you may have conflict with, but you have to look through that individual as simply as something as a representation of an archetype that you 've decided to play this story through this game with,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the archetypes you know, I, I first of all, let me take my stand I have to whenever I talk about feminism i I put my disclaimer in I am what I consider to be the ultimate the purest feminist because I believe in the absolute power of femininity of what mm-hmm. it is to be really a woman that in women to me, I think it's a shame, especially with the political feminist movement have missed the whole boat they have thought they placed all of the power in men and what men had and what men achieved rather than saying to women this is your power forget that power concentrate on this power and you can have the world and and so that's my stand so when you start to talk about the archetypes I'm really fascinated because I think the archetype we have that feminism political feminism as opposed to true feminism has brought is this whacked out crazy hybrid that we have right now.
0: Mm.
2: Yeah, and I'm going to shift it slightly a little bit here and 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 talk about it in terms of female empowerment um because I think that that's like a, a big word um maybe i should we should just sort of the article maybe i should just give a little bit of a background actually the article that i told was a story you know it's really you know stories sell and stories are interesting and it was a story about um my daughter's clothing and how i and i'm so sick of other women criticizing them and they don't wear massively revealing outfits i mean you know they they're they just wear what they want really and It was so interesting to me what what happened with this this article and the fact that it just blew up out of all proportion. I knew it would get some attention, but I wasn't aware it would get that much. And in in the whole thing, what I realized is how entrenched as females we are in what we assume is empowerment and what we assume isn't. And that femininity or feminism seems to have a very narrow turn. So, you know, our young people particularly, I think, are hearing very bizarre messages. So, you know, it's like, love your body, but not that much.
0: <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, it's, it's Bravo. be loud.
2: Yeah, be loud, but not that loud. You know, yes. be, be adventurous but not that adventurous be brave but not that brave so everything that we're telling them to do has got conditions on it and i just thought this is just ridiculous you know, we, we, you know a girl should be able to wear exactly what she wants to wear without fear of anyone else making judgments about who she is as a person and so exactly. i wrote the article
1: bravo yeah, I, that, if i could if i wasn't yeah, holding the phone i'd be applauding bravo and by it, the way, I saw the pictures. Like... They were absolutely stunning. I, 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 I'll give them a standing ovation. I think it's fantastic.
2: Yes. But what the really? idea proved <laughs> was actually that, you know, people, we can't do this. I mean, it was, the comments were hilariously, you know, that, I mean, some of them were horrific, you know, and we've actually, I think we're going to do a video of, of them because they were so horrific, they were actually quite funny. Um and aimed at me or, or them. And it just made me realize how we talk about feminism, we talk about female empowerment, but actually, you know, women are still under this huge weight of, you know, expectation and what is allowed and what isn't allowed. Um, the comments in the States actually were far worse than the comments in the UK, which I thought was really interesting.
1: Um, oh, the made States. It's... Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Pure, you know, yeah. don't forget we were founded by Puritans.
2: Yeah, and obviously you're much more religious over in oh. which came up a lot, you know, much more religious. I mean, my favorite comment about it was that, you know, um, what, what was it? I try to remember. Just another mom who can't get over her cheerleading days. And I was like, uh... oh, my God. Do you not know? We don't even have cheerleaders in
0: the <laughs> you know, like, Really? You know,
2: and, and, and so actually what I did was prove my point that we do make assumptions and um, we do sort of tell young girls to be empowered. But, you know, when they start to push the boundaries a little of what that means to the older people of the generation, we, you know, we tell them to cover up or be quieter or to not be that brave. And I think there's something wrong with it. Um, What was interesting to me at the same time as well, what was happening in the UK, which probably hit the US as well, is there was a girl that had been made to wear high heels at uh, at school, at work, sorry, in arms, about the fact that she shouldn't be made to wear high heels at, at work. But on the other hand, so there's this huge amount of support saying, no, you should be able to wear whatever shoes you want at work. But then on the other hand, there's everyone saying, no, no, your daughter shouldn't be allowed to go out in that. And I was like, oh, my God, you know, we can't have one. We can't have that that ideal only when it suits
1: us. Absolutely. Because, I'm, you know, I'm, oh, I'm rah, rah, rah. Keep going. I love it.
2: Yeah. And so it was, I didn't actually know I was as passionate about this until the article hit because what was happening is that I was getting lots and lots of support from young girls. And lots of messages of not support from older women, (laughs) let's just say. Probably even, you know, probably some of them were younger than me. And then what started happening is girls started sharing with me pictures of outfits they were wearing that they were asking to, you know, people had told them to cover up in. And they were just like normal teen outfits. And then people were sending me like school rules and what schools would tell. And I was just like, oh, my God, this is so messed up. This is just so messed up. You know, it's it's no wonder our girls feel shame about their bodies and have such bad body image because, you know, the messages we give in them and the way that we speak to a girl that wears something that we feel is appropriate, it you know just makes them feel horrible about themselves and it's it's got to stop.
1: Exactly, it's in a, you know in. You know, I've done my share of reading about the emotions and the energy level that comes off of it and all of the ramifications of it. Shame and guilt are the two worst human emotions. Mm -hmm. The absolute worst.
2: Yeah, and what I I alluded to in the article, which either no one read or no one really understood, is that um, a lot of the comments that are said about my daughters are said in front by women who are there with their own kids. So they're shaming, you know, a girl in front of their own teenage daughters. Right. What are we teaching? You know, we're teaching our kids. To be, you know, mean and judge of the people on exactly. their bodies and what they're wearing, and it the point was missed, which is okay because the point got out there. But you know, I, and everyone, everyone just wanted to fight for the, you know, the fact that I let my daughter, my fifteen-year-old, go out in a dress where you could slightly see her cleavage. I thought, God, if that's all, you know, if that's all we've got wrong with them, then really, you know, but, you know, as a mother, you know, I think we've got an obligation to to not be mean about other women and girls in front of our kids because, you know, women are so mean to other women.
1: I know, you did. know, that's yeah. right. You know, it's with all of the, uh, in America, we, you know, I saw it all happen in the 60s. I mean, it's been a, 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 yeah. a mass attack on males since the 60s. In the media, in day to day relationships and blah blah blah, and recently, I had a thing where I was speaking to uh there's a new trend in America, maybe with the older women or whatever, to have men friends. They don't want to have an intimate relationship that they want them to be their friends and and then they will say to the male, "Oh, I just no, I just want to be friends." I don't want any more than that. And then I started to think of the dynamic of that, what these women are doing. They're asking the male. I said, first of all, the Eskimos have about 20 words for snow. I said, in English, we have one word for friend. I said, what you're really asking for is not friend in the conventional sense. And I said, what you want from the male is you want to talk to him about all your emotional stuff that went on during the day or during your days, and even occasionally to um, somehow reach out to him for a little financial support. And uh, those are things that you usually do with a significant other. Mm -hmm. And then you want to shut it off and say, well, that's as far as I'll go. Yet the male, mm. you're hitting his instincts, which are to be a provider and a protector,
0: mm-hmm. and, mm. and,
1: and yet truncated by, oh, well, that's as far as I'll go. And then uh, 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 just absolutely blown away that you might want more, that you're some kind of, it's almost similar to what's going on here, that you're some kind of a pig, because your instincts are telling you what you would like more. You'd like an intimate relationship. So, mm. and I say, but here's the thing, I say to them, can you get what you get from me from your female friends? I said, absolutely not. They don't listen to me. Mm. She said, in fact, I said, do you like females? They go, no. <laughs> Most women <laughs> don't like women. And mm. uh, and I said, well, there you go. But yet men are continually being bashed over, and, and it's accelerating. Yeah.
2: yeah, and, and, and that's, so, yeah, that's one of the things that – that you know I, I wrote in the huffington post piece actually about this whole outfit you know palaver is that you know they're saying you can't wear these outfits because men will get the wrong idea and i think my god you know do we think men are that stupid you know it's like that <laughs> like every man as soon as he sees a bit of shoulder you know thinks whoa you know i'm in i mean <laughs> Exactly. It's ridiculous to also Well, say, and, and
1: what's happened yeah. because of you know, but yet let me just propose something. Yet, if the if if your daughters decided that they wanted to be bodybuilders, that they wanted to be CrossFit, which is the the mm. predominant movement here in America, the women now have more muscles than the men, they're more fit than the men. Uh, that that movement is going on. Yet that would be applauded.
0: Mm-mm, yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, it's 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 like these. You know, empowerment of females is empowerment as long as you don't upset anyone, and that is not empowerment. <laughs> that is, you know, that's not at all. Um, and I think we, you know, I'm so scared of the messages that we're we're giving out to young women. And young men. You know, I think men are much more, you know, intelligent than we're giving them, you know, <laughs> than
1: we're you pretending mean, they are. Is that what the, you know, the, the the assumption is from a male standpoint, what the, how did civilization get to this point? You need to tell me that ever since the beginning of time, everybody, you know, and especially white males, white Anglo-Saxon males, were the, the perpetrators, were the abusers, were the, you know, the, they, they, nobody made out in this deal. No, but there was no there were no acts of love, there were no acts of mm-hmm. caring or love or family or relationship or nurturing at all. It was just simply plunder. Are you serious? you know because that's the message we're receiving, and that's why there's so much anger on the females parts on on in here in America on the blacks and everybody else and minorities you know that this the white male has been you know is the is Satan himself, and you're right i mean yeah. what you know if and the other thing that gets me is Again, your daughters in those dresses are feminine to the, to the highest degree. They, they look beautiful. They're showing their femininity. And this is upsetting to the public. Well,
2: yeah, because most, most of the disagreement was that either they would get raped, right? A yeah. pedophile would see them, or they'd become pregnant. And and, yeah. I, and all I kept thinking is that they're, they're, they're probably Trump
0: supporters, those people. <laughs>
1: Oh that's yeah, there was Yeah, but the American I society is now sick over this kind of yeah. thing. Really. I mean it's I, a, the sickness.
2: Know, I, I thought, gosh, you know, that's they know you,
0: know
2: you know, that holds men in a very bad light. And you know, as an ex police officer I've dealt with girls that are raped and I can tell you they wear they wear everything from you know, jeans and baggy jumpers to, you know, tiny skirts. It makes no difference, you know. And even my youngest daughter, who, the 15 year old, uh, who found the comments hilarious, they both did, but she said, These people are stupid. They think that someone becomes a paedophile just because they see a bit of cleavage.
0: <laughs>
2: you know, it's ridiculous. Pedophiles are born, you know, they're not, you know, they're not, well, they That's are right. made, I guess, from early conditioning, but. You right. know, it's, it's not, you don't suddenly see cleavage and become a pedophile. And so it was so interesting for them to, to see this and start questioning, oh, my God, people's thinking is so conditioned, so
1: conditioned. Well, that we, you know, let me, yeah. let's, let's, let me propose this. I think, do you think it's a cultural thing? I mean, I, if, uh, just, if you, I, am I, I'm going to propose something. If you simply cross the channel, I don't think you'd get that reaction.
2: Well, well, across well, the channel to the states, you mean?
1: No, no, channel to France or Italy.
2: Oh, uh, okay. Um, I think yeah, the the states ones were remarkably worse, right? I'm not good. Of you course, know, because the, it's so
1: puritanical yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. absolutely.
2: The, the UK ones pretty pretty bad. I think you're, you know, the the more European places. No, absolutely not. So France and Italy. I don't know, you know, I'm guessing, but my sense is that, you know, France and Italy would have a very different, you know, view on on it. But so I think that, you know, but still I think, you know, we need to look at feminism across the board. It shouldn't be, you know, I mean, gosh, I mean you know, if these pictures were to go into another country, you know that you know, they might be shot. <laughs> I
0: mean, you know,
2: it's
1: yeah. awful. Well I'll say well the Arabian yeah. countries of course they would be, yeah.
2: Yeah. And um but I think you know, it's it just shows me how much this word, you know, is misunderstood and possibly I don't know, it feels to me like we're scared of allowing women to step into their power, however that may they may express that, you know, I well, mean, if you look but, at, but yeah. no, they're not
1: here in the States and, 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 and I'm seeing it, I'm hearing it a little bit from England. As long as they aspire to be manly, anything goes, they applaud, they're applauded because they yes. think that that's empowerment.
2: Yeah. As long but, as you, you act like a man or you do something that doesn't upset right. other females. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and, and it's, and it's really messed up. It's really, really... Well, of course, because what yeah. women
1: are really doing, every time they submit to what they perceive the illusion of power, they lose their own power.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, and for me, we just need to really challenge our, our beliefs and, and what we're saying and what we're thinking and, and, and just think. I You know, I don't think we're thinking enough. We're just like jumping. Uh, well,
1: no, we're reacting. We're programmed. It is it's yeah. becoming so bad in the States. I live in the worst city of all for women because it's Boston. It's puritanical. They've been brainwashed by the universities. Um, they're distant. They're um, simply focused on money and their careers and their independence. And um, they're not happy. What I say to you know, I, I I saw the I saw it all happening. I was there for it all. I mm-hmm. saw the burning of the bras and the hate man and the mm-hmm. blah 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 and um, and you know in the the eagerness to give up their their homes and their children and run into uh, some corporation somewhere. And mm-hmm. what my mantra now is: they promised you a career, and they gave you a cubicle.
0: Mm-mm.
1: Now yeah, you have absolutely. a cubicle. That you think you have to be in and you hate it while your children are being brought up in a little place with four or five kids and not being attended to or cared by who the person who should be caring for them. And what have you created? Mm. You know, but this is what they promised you. This was supposed to be nirvana. This was supposed to be liberation. This was supposed to be independence. Independence this is what you've got. And everybody, you're right. People are stupid. They bought it.
2: (laughs) Yeah. You know, and, and, and it's, and and the whole thing for me was the, the shoe versus the dresses, you know, people getting up in arms about, you know, they should be able to wear any shoe you want to work. But on the other hand, you shouldn't be able to wear that dress. And I think, oh, you can't have it both ways. You can either wear what you want or you can't wear what you want. You know, it's like, how can we you know, I, it's like how can we be up in arms about the same thing, but from you know, it's just you know ridiculous. i I'll,
1: I'll give you an anecdote i was um during the heyday of the comedy clubs here in Boston I was performing one night and uh i, I would do a magic effect and I'd ask for a pack of cigarettes and one night a pack came through, I couldn't see beyond a certain light level and it got dark, but a pack of cigarettes had, I landed on the stage, and they were Canadian, I think they were parliaments or something and uh I picked them up and then I asked where they came from, and these two absolutely drop dead gorgeous model type women were in the audience. I mean, just exceptionally uh, mm-hmm. attractive. And they, I asked for a volunteer. They came to the stage, and the entire place froze. So, the, 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 and, and I knew I, I analyzed it later. What two things were happening? The women were furious that there was this gorgeous woman on stage with me because I could barely breathe, but she was so attractive. And the men shut up because they didn't want to oogle the gal in front of their women.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: they went completely stale. So it, it, it ended up, we got together afterwards. We went out into a, a nightclub and we brought them with us and we talked and they said, uh, they were horrified because they came to Boston from Quebec and again, different oh, yeah. culture. And they came with, um, they showed me the front cover of Cosmopolitan. So they came in with the style at the time on Cosmopolitan, probably in New York and all over the rest of the world, with these bustiers with these uh, jean things and high boots. Well, they walked into Boston. And they were, you might as well have been back at the, begin, at the, uh, the, the days of dunking women in the, the pond. Uh, they were shamed. They were mm-hmm. mass, mass shame, mass. People pointing, mm-hmm. laughing, jeering. And that they were some type of prostitutes, and they were, they were, they, they couldn't put it together. They were like, "Why? This is." And I said, "No, no, you're in the wrong town. This is a puritanical, provincial, small thinking, small minded town." So they had to go buy these dresses to be to not offend. And, mm-hmm. and you know, and it's like you know the story of he who was without sin. Throw them. they would they would have stoned them because it was such an attack. And and when we were even in the club, every woman in the place was jeering at these women looking. I said, you see this? I said, they hate you because you're attractive. You're stylish. And Mm -hmm. they've moved toward, we went through a whole period here in Boston when the dress became sneakers and business suits up to the neck on the Mm -hmm. female. And so any sign, any trace of femininity was erased with this militancy. Mm -hmm. We're not going to show you that. So everybody lost in the deal. You know, and so this has been a battle here for long. This is why I'm so passionate about it. I, I again, I applaud what your daughters did. They're showing the world they're women. They're showing the the world that they understand style. They they, and they guess what? They're beautiful. Their dresses were beautiful. They made a a sense. They raised the level of aesthetic aesthetic values huge by doing that. They were gorgeous to look at. They made any man who looked at it would go. You've made my day. Isn't the world a more beautiful place with a woman proud of her body and showing her femininity, as opposed to what we have here now? You know, the militancy and the muscles and the you know the size of women and everything else, and running, jogging, and doing—they're doing jumping jacks on the streets here. You know, they've turned the streets into a gym to amass <laughs> muscle, which is to me not very feminine. And well, so it uh, yeah, is all out of I think, whack.
2: I think I think you could, yeah I think you know feminine should be whatever that person wants it to be. But for me, what's interesting is that actually you know you, what you are talking about there. My guess was with you know then women was in the seventies. Did you say?
1: Yeah, well, I say provincial. Boston is a provincial. It's small-minded. Okay. It's it's tiny-thinking. It's how, not how cosmopolitan. Long
2: how long ago was that?
1: Oh, that was about 20 years ago.
2: Yeah, you know, nothing's changed. No, you know, it's, it's worse. You know, still having conversations that, you know, women should dress modestly, whatever that means. You know, it's like, okay, so why? You know, and no one's asking why. Well, why do women have to dress
1: modestly? Yeah. It, 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 you know, right. why? We might as well be back in biblical times. I mean, that's how insane this yeah, is. Yeah, and I
2: don't think anyone can answer that question because when you oh. ask why they just out with a bizarre well she'll get raped paedophiles and pregnancy and you just think that they're weak arguments because there's there's nothing to back them up i've dealt with rapists i've dealt with paedophiles i know that's nothing to do with what anybody's wearing you know so so okay you know hit me again you know what and i don't think we ask why enough you know and and the why is because it's so ingrained in us that we believe that Women should be modest, and, you know, and it's just, you know, where are we? What century are we in? I mean, really?
1: Exactly. Like I says, well, my liberation came, I mean, I traveled a lot from in in my 50s and you know, through the last decade. And, um, and uh, when I got exposed to Latin America and like, to Europe and to the Eastern European countries, it was totally different. I mean, women were women. They loved. They were coming through that phase where they loved the fashions. They loved the hairstyles. They loved the perfume. You know, they loved the jewelry. And they wore it, you know, and embraced it. And everybody was was all the happy. I certainly was. <laughs> and... uh and my, I ended up marrying a Russian, and her daughter um, had, she decided to send her back to school in Russia because of the, uh, the, of the difference in the quality of the education. And when she came back, she, you know, she came back for certain summers, so I saw her growing up all the time. But she came back as a, in high school. And so she, <laughs> so used to the Russian culture and the fashions mm-hmm. and the clothing, she arrives looking like a runway model you know, the latest fashions Mm -hmm. and everything to go with and drop-dead gorgeous to add to it. And so she showed up in the school tier, (laughs) and she came back, and she's very Mm strong-minded. And she came back furious because they told her that her clothes were not admissible. And she's (laughs) going, and she challenged them. She said, why? She said, you Mm -hmm. know, we do this in Russia. I don't understand why. What is wrong with this? There's nothing wrong with this in my culture. Well, you know, here, and then she pointed to the other girls who were dressed like, you know, who were dressed really suggestive, who were scanty. And she goes, what about them? And finally this battle went on, and I was really watching her to see how she was going to handle this because I just stayed out of it. And she came home one day, and she was f- incensed and had me a paper. What does this mean? And it was a, <laughs> they threatened her to, uh, to, uh, uh, to expel her. and a suspender and And Mm -hmm. I said I looked at the letter and I laughed I said it means you lost I said it means they're lost they're (laughs) going to suspend you for this and so I went up to see them and they said to me they whispered well you know if she wasn't as attractive as she was we wouldn't do this but we're afraid it was the same thing you're hearing that she was going to get Mm -hmm. raped or something else yeah I but it's, it's just this clash of cultures clash of here in Russia women are women, and they're proud to be women there's not this today we have this hybrid thing going on i mean the the, the sexual gender here thing the gender crossover is crazy i mean it's out of control. nobody knows what they are and you 've got these young kids experimenting both ways with homosexuality, and they're you know the one of the terms here is uh uh, uh, lesbian until, you know, I call them lugs, that's right, lesbian until graduation, so that the predominant thing for undergraduate students in college, the predominant sexuality for women is being lesbian until they graduate, and then they go back to men. So it's all messed up. And yeah, so that's I mean, why that's, I'm interested yeah. in your concept yeah, of the archetypes. I,
2: I, you know, I, I think sexuality is, is actually sort of moving you know, in, into sort of forward in a way, you know, young people now are much more sexually fluid, I guess the word is. And I think that's, you know, that's OK, you know, and I think but I think for me, the whole thing is, is that we can't tell somebody to be empowered and then give them conditions around it because right. that you know, that's not empowerment. And that's what we as a as a world, you know, have got to get our head around that you know
1: it's like driving a car with one foot on the gas and one foot on the brake it's stupid yeah
2: exactly you know we talk about female empowerment we we you know we do it lip service but when it comes down to it you know it means you can only you know you can only be empowered one way and you know and it's it's wrong it's so wrong and it's doing our kids damage and I think that that's doing them more damage than than anything to be honest particularly the girls
1: well and again you know and to me, there are certain, up until feminism, political feminism, as opposed to true feminism, mm-hmm. and I think there's a huge distinction, because political feminism was, was engendered on hate and anger, okay, mm-hmm. in, in and in, in spurring from a sense of victimization, and it's continued that way. It, it needs a target of the white male to keep itself going. And it doesn't do anything to examine, let's, you know, to me, a movement would have said, well, what does it mean to be feminine? What are the virtues, the traits of being a woman or a girl? What are they? And what do they mean? And what do they do? What are the ramifications of that? What do they do for society? What do they do for the world? What what does it do for yourself Mm -hmm. to concentrate on those attributes as opposed to the male attributes?
2: Yeah I mean it's I, I, an article has just caught my my eye actually which is really interesting so it's talking about this in in the daily mail and it's it's talking about chivalry is dead and a rail passenger refuses to give up their seat for a heavily pregnant woman you know and 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 you know it's like we want to be independent but we also want you to give up our seat you know we also expect that and it and yes while it, you know it would be common courtesy to give up a seat to to, you know, a pregnant woman, we can't complain, you know, someone doesn't. So it's, it's like, we, we have to get clear. We have to get yeah, it is.
1: Clear. Tony Davies is, uh, Jane Pinkham's, uh, she's a big fan of yours, um, in England, the UK, he, he was telling me, he just wrote a book and we, I had him on the show and, uh, he said he went into, and I, this horrified me to think that we've exported this hate to the UK, but he opened the door for a woman. She turned around and snapped at him. You don't have to do that because I'm a woman. He says, I didn't do it because mm-hmm. you're a woman. I did it to be courteous. But I have to be, you know, excoriated because I opened the door for you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Shamed in public. And that's what we get here all the time. And that's what <laughs> I met a gal uh, recently who we had this discussion with. And she said to me, um, you know, maybe... She says, I should start dating older men. My father tells me I have to date an older man because just the other night I had a date. and It was a blizzard, and it was really difficult getting in and out of the car. So I said to my date, aren't you going to open the door for me? And he snapped. Oh, you were born in the 40s. And she snapped back. I wish I was. She says, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't blame men for all of this. I blame the women, she said. What was wrong with them opening the door for us? Will you explain that? And then she said, I like to cook. Would you please explain to me what is the problem with my cooking a meal for the man I love? And then she said, number three, get this. They're all upset because men hit on us. Wow. She said, what did you think? And that's coming from a woman. And she said, this is all messed up, you know. This is not fun Mm -hmm. anymore. And that's yeah, the and thing I think, I think yeah. we have to get back and say what is going on? Does it have to be this hate?
2: Yeah, no, but I think that you know men and, and you know have a responsibility here too because my daughter recently wrote a piece about how she's sick of getting hit on actually. I uh, saw that and
1: that's one of the questions I want to get to. Yeah. Yet they they you know if she dresses beautiful, it becomes, and if she's angry that a man would say she's beautiful? Yeah,
2: but she's at work when this happens, in a work uniform. You know, she's not, she's actually at work in a very, you know, in a work uniform that covers her from head to toe. You know, and actually, when she's at work doing her job, she should just be allowed to do her job.
1: Oh, I understand you know, that. She should, so is she upset yeah. if someone on the street sees her dressed in a beautiful way? Does well, she get angry if then? It happens-
2: the problem is, for women, is that it doesn't matter. Now, she goes out the, out on the street, and, the, and this is some of the point I was making when I was talking, is actually it doesn't matter what she is wearing. She will get catcalled constantly. So she can be wearing jeans and a shirt, yeah, and get the same treatment as she could if she went out in that grey dress. Now, she went out in that grey dress and people catcalled her, you know, you, she'd go, okay, fine, you know, I've got this dress on, you know. But going down the street in a pair of jeans and a, a shirt, you know, surely you should, you know, why why does she have to put up with that? That's not okay. And then, you know, it's not okay that when she's working at work, every single day she comes home and about five, six people have harassed her. You know, and she's yeah, like, I, I'm, a, I'm
1: okay. Now that makes it clear. Yeah. She Certainly she should not be harassed. Absolutely. You know,
2: absolutely. You know, like, and, and I think that it's, it's, it's not, ju- you know, it's, it's to do with the women, but it's also that we should be bringing up men differently as well, I think, you know. Well, you, in, know, in, in uh, way- you know
1: something, that's perfect, because you see, during this whole, this anger, this outburst, this, this uh, diatribes against male, maleness, mm-hmm. one of those constant complaints is men don't do housework, men don't do the housework. Right. I grew up in a family where after dinner, my father put on an apron, my mother's apron. He put on this feminine apron. He went to the sink and he washed the dishes and I had to stand beside him and I had to dry the dishes. I also had to learn how to vacuum the floors at a very early age. I had to put my hand inside a toilet bowl and clean the toilet bowl. I had to do the Venetian blinds one by one and dust them. I had to do everything I was taught to do housework by both my mother and my father. And so women complain about men not doing housework. And my question is, who brought them up?
2: Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, we need to be bringing up girls to, to do be empowered however they want to be and have that be okay. But I think we also need to be bringing up men um, to also realize what women go through, because I don't think they do. And and you know and they think well you you know you should be happy that somebody's asking you out. She's like I'm at work, you know. She was 16 when this started to happen. I'm not happy. I'm I was scared, you know. And I think that you know men need to. Well, I think you know both both sexes need to understand what it's like for the other. Right.
1: Well, well, and again, you know, if 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 women find this offensive, why aren't the women teaching their sons?
0: Yeah. What, yeah.
1: What Tony Davis said to me. He said, I was taught, and so was I, to walk on the outside of the the sidewalk, to walk on the outside toward the street. Because in the old days, a car or something or a carriage would splash, and you Mm -hmm. you got splashed instead of the woman. That was taught to us.
0: Mm -hmm. We we were
1: taught to, to, to carry a woman's bags. We were taught to give them a seat on the bus. We were taught these things. And yet, so mm. to get angry now and to say that this is men's fault when the women are bringing them up—it's uh, just as responsible for bringing them up as the father is.
0: Something's mm-hmm. out of
1: whack. It's whining yeah, yeah. is what it is. It's whining. It's mm. not constructive.
0: Yeah a,
2: lo- yeah, a lot of it is is what is is whining. I, you know, it's got no you know no basis to it. But I think that you know it, the the everyday sexism and the sexual objectification that women deal with is very real. and um, be, But because I think we're so messed up in what it means, you know, I mean, that was what they were trying to say about those, you know, that I was sexually objectifying my daughters. Well, actually, they don't know the definition of it. Do you know, do you know what I mean? So we, right. we, we have to be openly, honestly discussing everyday sexism and and sexual ob- objectification. Well, it's without, because
1: it's, but, but here in the yeah. States men have totally backed off because of what the criteria for sexual harassment in a courtroom is the, is the it does the woman decide it is if she says it is it is there was no but, there was no qualification yeah, uh, of that
2: and there's a lot of laws like that here and i think that you know that that's okay you know if um you know if if It's like if you say something offensive to me, it's only offend, and and you didn't mean it. It's offensive if I think it. And but I think that we're not having conversations that say so. How do we teach men? Exactly,
1: that's when I was under attack, and every male in America was under attack, and we still are under attack for the name girl. Mm. Yet a woman, there was never any dialogue as to what we meant by it. We didn't mean anything uh, insulting. We didn't mean anything Mm -hmm. derogatory. It was a term of affection. Mm -hmm. Girl meant young, attractive, supple, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. playful. It didn't mean what women said it did. It was not even close. Yet there was no room for an argument or discussion about it. It was just a damnation. You said girl, hence you're a, you're a, a male chauvinist pig.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is it. It's why it's right. we can't have any, we don't seem to be able to have, as I proved with the article, any sort of real conversation about it because the conditioning that we all feel on every side is so huge. You know, and so, he, and we need to recognise that most of the way that we're reacting to everything is conditioning, and that if we can just get rid of that and have open and honest conversations, women, you know, women and girls can start saying to you know young boys and and men, you know, actually, when you do this, we don't like it. You know, this isn't great. And and men can go, well, actually, when you, you know, shout us, when we open the door, it makes us feel, you know. And I don't think that we're able to have those conversations because we're conditioned so deeply. And we need to look at that conditioning and stop reacting to have, you know, much more um, open conversations.
1: Absolutely. I mean, it's it's gone. I mean, it's like I said, at one time, women were our lovers. Now they're our competitors. They hate us. They want to win. They want to beat us. They're out getting muscles. They're running races. They're, you know, they're, they're vying for, you know, they, they they look at it as victorious that they got the better pay or the jobs or this or that or the other thing. And what, so what's happened? Why, why? Where's love? There's no love. There's no romance. There's no chivalry. We can, we can, no can chivalry. only,
2: solve. We can only solve this together. Um, exactly,
1: no. and I'm, that's why I love this conversation. I'm hoping that there can be you know, you get, <laughs> Sarah, they would never have this kind of conversation on conventional t v or media because <laughs> it makes sense <laughs> <laughs> i
2: tried I tried when I went on that
1: you know that it course, is but... it is a it is a responsible man and a responsible woman trying to find a, a, a solution as opposed to pointing fingers.
0: Mm,
2: yeah, yeah, and that's what we've got to do. For, find a solution other than you the know. They're pointing people.
1: fingers at your daughters for wearing, clothes and I'm saying, oh my God, this is beautiful. I hope this continues. I, I, I applaud the, the bravery of your girls because I, I want to see that on the streets again. I want to see beautiful women. I want to see style. I want to see grace. I don't want to see another something that's supposed to be a woman looking like me. Mm-hmm. That uh, you know, that's not. That's not fun. It used to be fun, you see? <laughs> and, and and I'll i tell you one situation. See, I, again, you know, there's a price we pay for having a little vision. And, you, you know, your daughters are very sensitive and very smart. We had Bronte on the show, and she's very yeah. perceptive. And so when you can see things, and I went to um, there was a hockey game in Boston maybe 20 years ago. And I went to one of my buddies, and we were sitting in very expensive seats. And behind us was um, a male in a fishnet type of uh, tank top, gross. Mm -hmm. He's got all his body hair, and he, he had facial hair, wasn't groomed or anything, and missing teeth and whatever, and dirty, filthy hair. And so... They were $200-plus seats, which was ridiculous. And then I couldn't understand how he could look like he did and afford where he was. But the thing is, the, the opposing team came out, and every epithet you can imagine, the filthiest, raunchiest epithet came out of his mouth. And I was horrified that in public he was doing this. So I looked around immediately to see the reaction of the crowd, and people were laughing like they were kind of amused by this. And I saw the women laughing. They weren't. They weren't offended. And then I had a flashback to the 1960s when we had these championship teams here, and and it was just a turn of the 60s into the 70s. Now everybody was dressed like a slob that night, because that's what Americans dress like now. They dress like slobs everywhere. It's it's sweatpants and sweatshirts and it's gross. And, and nobody takes care. Nobody grooms. Whatever. That's what we've come to. And I thought of that night you know, previous, everybody, the men were dressed in Chesterfield coats, and they had maybe a, a hat on, and a suit, coat, and tie. The women were dressed in beautiful uh, suits and or dresses, hairstyled, jewelry, makeup, perfume, the whole deal. And all the, if that ever happened, let's, let's not even do that. One minor, uh, you know, uh, word, offensive word, one minor, and what would have happened then is the male would have tapped that man on the shoulder or looked at him, and all he, would, he wouldn't have said anything. He would have said, hey, and he would have pointed to the female as the measure of propriety, as the measure of etiquette. She upheld that. Women mm-hmm. upheld that at one time. There was something sacred about a woman that you didn't do that in her company. And the mm-hmm. male would have said that the offender would have apologized. That doesn't happen anymore because what women feminists said was power, masculinity. So now women decided to use the same language as the males because that would be tough and power instead of holding what was before a sense of sacredness. And, And that's why men stood up for a woman who was pregnant because that woman was carrying a child. She was everything feminine so that brought with it a, a certain level of respect that respect is gone mhm yeah and so yeah. you know so that's what we have to start to examine
2: yeah and i think that you know we 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 need to look at respect because i think you know particularly if we look at the the younger generation because obviously that's where my life is spent and i think the the female male um sort of um Uh, genders to them don't exist in the way that we we see that they exist and i don't necessarily think that's a bad thing you know i think that um it's just different you know absolutely different but i think that we need to look at you know respect in such a, a bigger term so not how do you respect a woman but how do you and how do you respect a man but you know what is respectful you know what what you know, is it respectful to to have a go at a bloke when he, you know, just opens the door to you? Is it respectful to shout and hollow at a girl out the car window? You know, no. But, you know, but we're still too busy having some other argument, you know, which... Right, exactly. Yeah, rather than saying, you know, this generation is different, some of the old ideas don't work anymore, and that's okay, but let's look at what... Where are we now? You know, what's working now? And it's like... No one, because we're, we're, we're not where we used to be. No one's figured out where we're going. No one's having a conversation. And everyone's stuck in the middle bitching each other.
1: <laughs> exactly. You know, I mean, first of all, I was shocked. I didn't understand the whole feminism thing because my introduction as my first pediatrician was a Russian immigrant woman.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: and I got into exactly. all kinds of fights in school because all the other kids had male doctors. And I would have these big fights, and they would laugh at me for having a woman doctor. And I'd go, and my approach was, I was horrified to think, I don't want to get undressed in front of a man. I, get trust, I don't get undressed in front of my father. I get undressed in front of my mother. My mother is the nurturer. My mother is the caretaker. My mother is, is the gift. And so when it was made total sense to me that a woman would be a doctor. And my conception mm-hmm. was that they all were – I knew there were male doctors somewhere, but that was for surgery or some other crazy thing, you know, real serious stuff that was, you know, not nurturing or healing, you know, more in a curing state. So I, I – I, and I, I – like I said, I would get into fistfights over this thing. And then,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, then, again, my father puts on an apron and doesn't shame that it's a frilly apron to wash the dishes. <laughs> And he teaches me to do housework, and so when I find out other people aren't doing housework, um, I, I, I don't get it. And then my mother, when she chose to to work, it was okay. And so when all of this movement started, I was like, "What are they talking about?" Because these women, and, and I modeled my life after one of the woman who was a friend of the family's. She decided not to marry. She went into the business world. She retired early. She traveled the world. I said to myself, she owned property. She did everything that supposedly the movement was going to give her. She did it by herself. And and, and there was never any anger or anything else about it. And I wanted to model, and I did. I modeled my life after that woman, mm-hmm. you know, as an actualized woman. And they, they didn't have hate. They didn't blame men. They just did it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And what I see, the, the problem with the movement is, first of all, they asked Joyce Carol Oates, you know, what do you think of feminists? She says, I would never belong to an organization that was founded on anger, hate, and victimization.
0: She mm. says that's what the whole yeah. thing is, yeah.
1: is. Why do I have to do that? She says, I'm self-actualized. I don't have to join a group and be angry and hateful and and, and feel like a victim. I just do what I do. You know, and this is what, you know, this is getting down to, you know, how How do we take responsibility and stop blaming?
2: Mm, yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. And 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 what's the new paradigm that we are stepping into? Where
1: right, you know, and, and, and that's why I yeah. applaud you. I applaud your daughters. I, for you're, you're iconoclasts. You are challenging. You are breaking the mold of what is perceived. And I think the, uh, let me encourage you and your daughters to continue it because. You know, as a male, I'm championing it, not because I'm going, oh, well, I get to see a chick's, you know, shoulders. No, (laughs) it's that she has the, 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 you know, the bravado to express herself as she feels her femininity should be expressed. Yeah. And too bad for the rest of society. Get over it. Grow up. You know, it's a woman in a woman's body. There's nothing wrong with it. If she wants to decorate it in a beautiful way, let her. And yeah, instead of you know, jeering her, why don't you just look at it and go, isn't that beautiful?
2: Yeah, it it's is beautiful. Um, there's
1: a long They're way beautiful. to go, I think. Yeah, yeah so, well, you know. bravo to you. And I think you, the fact that you stand up for them and that you've created what you've created is uh, hopefully a step for people to start having a a smart conversation instead of retreating to their religious beliefs or their stupid societal beliefs that, you know, these these girls are pigs because they're they're wearing something pretty.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, you can't offend me. It's like when when people say, well, how do you put it? I said, look, you know, I'm an ex-police officer. I've had far, far worse things said to me than this. It's fine.
1: (laughs) Right, right,
2: right. People can forget that, yeah.
1: So I'm, I'm curious about your archetypes. What are you uncovering with that? You know, I mean, you, you the female archetypes that you'd think are being ignored.
2: Well, I, I'm still working on that. It's it's in a book which is with a possible publisher at the moment. Um, so, and we're I'm sort of what I'm doing oh, is okay. exploring. Yeah, I'm exploring, you know, all archetypes, and I think I come up with twelve of them, and. Yep. Yeah, I think there's 12. Because what I'm saying, which is what I said right at the beginning, is that, you know, we look at female empowerment through a very, very tight lens. And, you know, we're missing out the quiet girls, the shy girls, the girls that not yes. just want to look at, you yes. know, grow up and, and look after a family. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. We're also missing out the people like, you know, that are, are like me who are disruptors and we make them wrong. And actually... You know, we need all of these archetypes, and actually they're probably all within us, and that we need to, uh, you know, have a different conversation about allowing a woman to be who she wants to be as a woman or a girl without that someone else telling her who she should be, you know. Well, and, you know
1: first, it, it, right. Well, the first thing that happened in America with feminism is they derided the, the housewife or the, or the, the mother. The stay-at-home yeah. mother. They derided. She was up for ridicule.
2: Yeah, and that, that to me, you know, if, if somebody, that somebody chooses that, and, and this is the difference, I think. You know, maybe in the 50s, well, you know, blah, 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 they weren't choosing that. It was that there was no other option. But I think if someone chooses that now, not, well, not that there was no other option, but you, you know what I mean. But if someone chooses that now, we shouldn't make them wrong for that. But, you
1: know, we decided to, to, you know, I worked enough so that I could afford that my wife could stay home. And yet she, everywhere she went, she was, you know, berated for yeah. us. By the and, and that's
2: not right. You know, that's not right. If it's a choice that someone's making because they want to make that choice and that's what's important to them, we absolutely should not be judging them. As, as so as we should not be judging the promiscuous girl who wants to right. go out and, you know, sleep with... With many, many blokes, if if she's happy with that and she's not doing it for, That's you right. know, reasons of yeah. self-esteem, that should be okay, too. Um, and But we're very, very judgmental of females. You know, females, are, you know, sometimes don't know how we get through our day. Because, <laughs> you know, we're
0: judged. You know, because
2: we are judged on absolutely everything we do, what we say, what we wear, where we go, you know oh it's it you know how we mother how we don't mother you know it's it's we're judged on absolutely everything you know whether we breastfeed in public or you know i mean what you know do we wear high or shoes or, it's ridiculous and i don't think that level of scrutiny does happen with men i think though they you know men are under the pressure but i don't think they are under the same kind of scrutiny well, you know
1: and i think you know recently my brother said something to me about um you know i had about the race situation here in America. And he said, no matter what, he says, unfortunately, he said that, you know, with all the advances, with all the civil rights, with all of the, the advances, we have a black president, blah, 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 We have black governors. We have black businessmen. We have multi, multi, millionaire entertain black entertainers. And no matter what, the pervasive thought, conventional wisdom is that, you know, the blacks feel they're still persecuted. And, and, and to the white male, uh, the white people, you know, a lot of you, go, well, what's it going to take? You know, when do you get over this? And he said to me, probably never. Because there's something mm-hmm. that the blacks perceive about themselves that they'll never get over that. And I, yeah, and it was the first yeah. chance. Yeah, go ahead.
2: Well, there's Could a book it. called um, The Outliers. I don't, have you ever read, read The Outliers? Oh well, yeah, yeah,
1: but uh, Malcolm Yeah, Gladwell, I mean, yeah. in
2: that book, he talks a lot about cultural legacy and the, you yeah. know, and the and the importance that cultural legacy plays. And I think that, um, you know, that's something that we we ignore, particularly in racism, and particularly when we're looking at children from so you know um, low socioeconomic backgrounds. Right. And so sometimes, you know, it's not it's not that they you know, it's like the cultural legacy that they bring with them is very, very, um, you know, difficult, I think, for people. You know, because it's like ingrained almost in someone's DNA, if that makes sense. So I think that, you know, I think when things change, it does take ages, which is also what we're seeing with, with feminism, I think.
1: Well, that's what, that's what it, it did. When he gave me that insight and that sense of empathy for that, then all of a sudden... I started to look at women that way, that why is there this continually have to attack not only men but each other, and that there must be some kind of thing that makes yeah. them somehow feel inferior. Yes. That, that there's always, and, and I watch, you know, I watch you, I watch Jane, I watch so mm-hmm. much, we've got to make women happy, we've got to wake little girls, up, got, and I'm going, why isn't this about men? And then I started to think about, because we're not, we're comfortable in our skin.
0: mm
2: yeah, and I think that cultural legacy. You know, we're, we're products of what has come before, and and yeah. so if you you know, I mean, women have only you know really if you look in the last well, I mean, when did the sort of the big revolution started in the sixties? Probably yes. you know wound right. up in the eighties. So you know, women have only had the kind of power in inverted commas that they have for you know I don't know sort of forty years ish. Um, yep. So. Uh, you know we, most women can remember a time when it wasn't like that or they can remember you know a parent or a grandparent where um it wasn't like that so i think you know we're products of what happened before whereas men you know if they go back in their lineage they probably they will never you know find a time possi- in unless obviously they come from a, a race that was repressed or a part of society that was repressed they're probably never going to find that so it's not sort of part of their dna and i think that you know that's that's why it's difficult for for it to change, but I still think we absolutely need to be having different conversations.
1: well, I think you know that insight alone explains so much, and I think it uh, quells the fire you know the 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 absolute you know rage that comes if you start to say, "Hey, listen, you know you're okay, <laughs> yeah, you know to be a woman is okay, not only okay, it's fantastic to be a woman. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's no need to feel inferior or insecure, or always be looking for happiness, and uh, that you know you get find that center within yourself and be proud of what you are instead of you know it, it just you know as a male, I see women here turning more and more male, and because they've been told they've been they, they were misled, they were told that the men had the power, and what? You know, if you really think about it, the thing that determined culture was females. It wasn't the caveman who just said, okay, we're all going to sit down and eat at a nice table and I'm going to shave my beard. No, the woman said to him, hey, pal, clean it up. You're going to sit down with your kids. All right? So the proprieties and everything else, and the customs and the culture, all the beautiful art, all was brought into the buildings, everything was, was, was created by the female. She was the mm. one who civilized the world. And yet they don't take credit for that.
2: Mm. Yeah. yeah. yeah, You know, I know that. Object, I understood yes. that. Yeah. Often you know? women were totally written out of history, weren't they? And totally sort of. But,
1: but, um, but they were smart enough to, to, to probably go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, sure. But guess who really controls the house? Yeah. <laughs> we do. We tell you how to bring up your kids. We decorate the place. We tell you how to eat, what how to do it, and everything else. And we tell you to stop swearing, and we tell you to do these things. And the men did. And, and that's what I'd love to see that kind of attention paid to what the roles women had in, in mm. bringing society and civilization to this point. It was huge. And yet nobody's talking about that. They, they look upon anything that has to do with the household as being inferior It had no worth. And it's yeah, wrong. Yeah. It's where it's where it's where children became uh, great citizens and great people. I mean, the who brought up the Churchills and the Roosevelts and, and all of yes. that. It was a woman, you know, and right. they'll all admit it. And and so you know, th- this is what's wrong in that thinking. Oh, that, that the real power rests rest in some guy who's a CEO. No, it doesn't. <laughs> mm. No, it doesn't. Yeah, that's just
2: and right. I, and I, um, yeah, and I guess the real power lies in a woman being able to choose whether she wants to, you know, be, be exactly. just a, a, exactly, exactly, but not uh, to yeah.
1: do it, not to do it because somebody tells you that's where the power is. That's yeah. the that's the problem. You know, I had um, a roommate here, a female, in 26, and she was a friend of, so a daughter of a friend of mine, and I watched her and uh poor thing was miserable, I mean, just miserable, just this frantic, frenetic being, just being busy all the time, like they are the millennials with their, her head in a, three different machines, and racing back and forth, et cetera, living alone here in the city, and one day I finally had enough, and I had you know, seen her operate for four or five months, and I said, you know, I says, I can't help but notice, I says, especially your relationships, you and your girlfriends are here Fridays and Saturday nights all sitting here drinking wine and pretending you have a good time and there's no other guy in your life. And I said, and when you do get a guy, it doesn't last very long. And I said, you know, I said, not for nothing, but at 26, I had two kids in a house. Now, maybe I didn't get it right, but I was in the game. I said, the way this appears to me. And it's true. You're not going to settle down till you're 36 or plus or so. That's that's the odds statistically, and that, then you won't have kids till you're 40 or whatever. I said you're 10 years away from that. So I said you're alone in the city. You, you've got this incredible student loan debt. You've got credit card debt. You go to a job for 10 hours a day with your head in a computer in a cubicle you don't like. You bring the work home with you. You eat packaged food. You throw it in the microwave. You eat alone. You have all of these computers on the table while you eat. And I said, so let me ask you a question. The, oh, and I said, when I had mentioned about the relationships, she said, that's because we want somebody to give us what we want. And I said, that's what constitutes a relationship. There's no give and take. No. And I said, well, I said, there's other stuff. I said, are you happy? No. I said, well, yeah, but this is what they promised you. Career, independence, on your own, handling your own life. And so now you're all alone in the big city, but you're not happy. No. I said, well, this is what they promised you was happiness. This was the ideal. And evidently, it's not working, is it?
0: And she Mm -hmm. just walked away.
1: And it's not working. These are not happy kids.
2: No. No, they're not. And I think that you know the the new way forward is is a new way probably a way that we we haven't seen where everybody is absolutely you know treated equally um and and you know if men decide they're going <laughs> i mean i saw a video today that where where uh, men had gone to work in high heel shoes to see yep. how difficult it was and it was so funny and and i think that that to me is sort of you know the the way we need to be going is having men experience you know some of the things that women experience and then go so you know how you know how how do we move forward here you know i'm sure if a bloke went out and was catcalled all the time for you know for a few days he might think it was cool after that he might have had enough
1: I don't. I don't think a man would ever mind it. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sure it get to a
2: point where be like, oh my god, I can't even go out of the house. This is this is you know ridiculous. I, you know, I don't know, but I think that
1: you know there has to no, be. No, I don't. From a male standpoint, no, I would never get tired of it. Uh, I bet it. <laughs> some of
2: those. Uh, particularly young 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 blokes, because I think young blokes are, are you know, uh, you know, young young men do have a have a different you know very quite a very different mindset and i think that you know we just need to to well, just be having a different conversation that's all i can say really
1: yeah and well you know and it even spilled over her sister came and stayed over one night and they were i was surprised to see her in the morning and i said oh you're here and uh i saw both these kids grow up and i had a another place in new hampshire and we talked and she says oh yeah we're going to go shopping for a wedding dress she says, oh and wedding dresses are so expensive a thousand dollars just for a couple of hours i said well a lot of people spend way more than that and i said you know the sad part is today there's a 50 50 shot of this thing working out she says well yeah she said um the other thing is we have to go uh, get the financials straightened out i said excuse me she says well you know the prenup i said "What?" She says, well, you know, and I could hear the rhetoric that must have been drilled into her head all through college and graduate school. Well, since women are in the labor force today, it wasn't necessary before, but today it is. I said, what, to have a prenuptial on your first marriage? She said, yeah. I said, well, basically what you're telling your fiancé is you don't trust them That's what you're really saying. Number two, you're building a net. And I said, when you build a net, there's a good chance you're going to use it, because now that you've got it all legally the exit has already been planned, and legally it's bound. I said, the first time you guys get in trouble, you'll, you'll ditch it because it won't be hard to get out of it. And she just looked at me. And then she said, well, then we have to figure out who's going to stay home with the baby. I said, excuse me? Well, she says, my work involves lots of hours, so I think he's going to have to stay home with the child. And I said to myself, I would hate to be your kid. I would hate it. That I was looked upon as something that had to be dumped because the priority was work. And so that's what it has evolved to. And it's sad. I wouldn't want to be a kid today, not after the way I was brought up.
2: Yeah, I think, I think, yeah, I do think that whether they're being brought up by the male or the female, I, you know, I I think that 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 doesn't matter as long as they're being brought up in a in a in a loving home and i think that that's right but
1: basically which i didn't see a lot of love in her (laughs) yeah you know there wasn't a lot of love there it was clear where her objective was work
0: Mm. 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 Yeah. to
1: me and i was saying why would you even bother to you know this kid's going to be miserable you know this kid's going to be looking for his mother and She's at the office, you know, as bad as a father being at the office. I'm not saying either one, but if you, why have mm. a kid if you're not going to bring it up?
0: Mm. You know, yeah, and, and, yeah. And the, yeah, and the
1: sure. thing is, first of all, love, love has just kind of just vanished. Love, romance, chivalry, all of these things it's just gone, and it doesn't make for a fun existence.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's not so bad here, I think. I think the, No, uh, I think you
1: guys are, yeah. oh, God, it's awful here. It is just awful. Mm. It's warfare. It really is. It's warfare, mm. and it's mm. and, you know. You say why? For what? And nobody's nobody's happy. I mean, here you're putting these 26 year old females into a city, and it's there's it, it, a plethora of them. You know what they do? They go to work, and then they run all by themselves. There's no families. They're mm. running. Everybody's alone, and everybody feels that yeah. that's the best thing. Independence. I had a gal who was on a psychologist, and I was talking about, I says, she said, in America, she said, it's not just the females who are taught to be independent, it's the men, too. She says, if, because she was a child in a family psychologist, she said, if an Indian or an African mother ever saw the way that a child in America is put to bed, they would be horrified, because the child is dumped into a crib, and then allowed to cry and shut the door and leave it alone. And the battle cry is, well, they have to learn to be independent.
0: That's mm-hmm. what goes on
1: here. That's what goes on. And so there's this whole emphasis on independence, which is leaving, you know, 50% of the households in this country are owned by single women, run by single mothers. Single mothers are way, way outweigh families. Yeah. You know, and, and again, the battle cry was independence. You know, yeah. and, and who suffers? The kids. You know what I you know this whole political crazy thing here? I go, Is any a politician not talking about kids? You talk about kids, that's why I love you and your message. You're talking about the children. You're trying to straighten out the mess that the parents created yeah. and that society created with these kids. The politicians don't care. <laughs>
0: they
2: yeah, don't care uh,
1: about the children. Yeah.
2: We find your you politics. Know, Quite hilarious.
1: Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. We
2: don't get it at all over here. we just like sat watching Oh, it's, going it's on. well it's
1: you know, well what see, what's happened now, America's starting to wake up to the fact that the 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 house itself, the foundation, is a mess. Mm. That this is what we've created, two, two idiots running for office. <laughs> you know, and this is the best we could produce. This certainly isn't John Def Kennedy. You know, this yeah, isn't Franklin I, Reservoir. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think Clinton we can kind of understand it's It's Trump we just like
1: you oh, know God. It's, it's, it's yeah it's a, um, it's a farce. It's it's a total farce. It's 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 entertainment more than it is politics. You know, an idiocy.
2: I did see something the the other day which I thought was quite funny and it says America um, you think this is a election. This is actually your IQ test.
1: <laughs> You're right. And, and, unfortunately, America's IQ has really dropped off the curve. I don't, and, and, you
2: know, I'm, and I'm not dissing anyone, but, I, but it did make me giggle. I thought, yeah, um, you know, sometimes, you know, it's, it's good looking at yourself from another country's perspective.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, I always, you know, my, my downfall came as I went to Europe for three months when I was 23 and I quit a job and just hung out there. And ever since I came back, I said, this is all wrong. America's all wrong. Americans don't know how to live. You know, it's all the emphasis is on money and and work and and stuff, and not on living and enjoying yourself. And uh, and as a result, you know, a lot of feminism adopted a lot of that. They they looked at, you know, the, again, the the battle cry was career. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, they swapped kids for career. And um, and I think we suffered uh, as a society. But I want to just quickly touch on the pressure thing. I want to hear you. You know, you say that you feel it's very important to apply pressure to kids to achieve. And so I want to kind of find out where is that the pressure to achieve? Who sets the goals? Who sets the criteria? Okay, let, me, let, me,
2: let me give you a little bit of background on, on this. In the U.K. Um, at the moment, there is this battle cry going out about we put too much pressure on our kids. We should take the pressure off them, you know, et cetera, et cetera. and And – and what I've done is I've done, you know, the, the research in it shows that actually if you so um, if you say to a child, I don't think now, I don't know. how I don't think your systems works the same as ours. But if I, you know, if, if you say to a child, well, you know, they, they, the school have said you, you can get all A's, but, you know, we're, we're happy with B's, right? That's just, you know, so, you know, take the pressure off you. That actually, that's really unhelpful to a child because it it actually damages their self-esteem and says to the kid well really I don't think you can achieve it Um, so what I was saying in that in in that kind of you know the fact that we need to stop you know pressure is not the problem right (laughs) it isn't the problem the problem is um, the expectations and who's setting them the structure and the system that the young person works works you know within So the research, you know, research shows that if if the child helps to choose their expectations, so their grades or whatever they're working for, and then everyone supports them and makes no excuses for them not delivering on those expectations, that they're more likely to get them and they're more likely to to feel, you know, great about getting them. Um, But we have this sort of belief that we're setting the expectations and the standards too high um and that we shouldn't be doing that and we should be being nice to our kids and and saying it's okay if they they get less if they are capable of something it's not okay if they get less in my opinion and you know and the research shows this really damaging to them if they is an an expectation is set and they don't reach it um it's very damaging to their self-esteem so so that was where you know we need to stop blaming pressure and and start to have a conversation about what really is the problem which isn't pressure
0: it's
1: right. you know that the, okay yeah i get you now i now that clarifies it for me and i agree with you i think yeah. uh what i was seeing is okay what what criteria who sets the goals who sets you know because you know i um one of the things I think I may have mentioned to you was the um, – let me see if I can find the the book called The Element. Have you read it, Ken Robinson? Uh,
2: yeah, I think I have, but I don't remember. Yeah, so he's
1: basically Well, – I'll read the um, Amazon um, description. The Element is the point at which the natural talent meets personal passion. When people arrive at the Element, they feel most themselves and most inspired and achieve their highest levels – with a wry sense of humor, Ken Robertson looks at the conditions that enable us to find ourselves in the element, and those that stifle that possibility. Blah blah blah. So, um, you know, where I, what raised my, you know, attention what, with what you were saying was, is is who sets the criteria? What 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 is the level of achievement? What what are we de- determining as the criteria of what achievement is? Is it what we say it is, or is it what the child really wants because i think You're, that's
2: yeah, where I, yeah i think it's that you know it definitely the child helps with those expectations but we also have to whether we like it or not you know the child is working within a system uh, you know an, uh, an academic system for want of another word and and that's you know and i think we spend a lot of time arguing against the system um and really we should just this is the system we've got you know that it's not going to change
0: you
2: know very quickly at all in the UK it's like some mighty ship that will probably take about 40 years to turn And, and we can either argue against that system or we can just learn to work within it and we spend a lot of time arguing about the system here rather than you know working within it i I know, I know the school system here is slight you know is, is quite a lot different to the to the school system um in the u.s but you know that's the system you know that's at the moment how people view if somebody's able and capable now i'm not saying that's right or wrong but it is how how people you know the, the yardstick people are using at the moment so i think when they're in education you know the the that the expectations are being set by them, but also you know there's a societal expectation, which is okay. Um, but you know, absolutely, if you can find their passion earlier on and the reason that they need those grades, then you're on to a
0: winner.
1: Right. Well, I'm see- I- we're seeing it slow here, and it's one of my pet peeves. Is you know the this- <laughs> the system's a mess. You know, we I mean everything about it is a mess. You know, the teachers. You know, you've got an incestuous system. You've got teachers, te- you know, students becoming teachers and then teach. You know, they, they never got out. and They never did anything else. So they only mm-hmm. understand that. And they have low expectations of themselves. I mean, not academically. They all did a lot of them. They had to do well and they had to get master's degrees, et cetera, to, to, to teach that. But they didn't. Uh, find that a lot of them are going through the motions. They don't. They're not passionate about teaching. I go into the schools. I see it all the time.
0: Mm.
1: And I dread, you know, the way the schools are set up. The, the 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 seats. I mean, I don't know if we spoke about it before. There's a great TED talk about uh, an Indian nuclear physicist who went over to education and he took a uh, he started putting computers in what would be like an ATM type building, a little shack. And, and he put the building in the, the, there and the kids he found out the kids could teach themselves mm. and so they were learning all kinds of things through the internet so he's basically said we've created a technology that allows the child to to educate themselves and so we're seeing uh, and in all that they needed they didn't need necessarily a teacher in fact one of the, the things that Apple Computer did was they went into um, a, 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 an, an area in, in Great Britain where it was, a you know, the inner city and it was abject poverty and there was all kinds of violence and everything else, and they went in and gave the kids um, a, a iPads.
0: Mm. And
1: the teachers, the, and the learning rate and the achievement rate skyrocketed because, first of all, think of it in the traditional classroom, um, the kids can't. Um, it's it, it set up in rows. It, it, it's jail. I watch these poor kids trying to sit there. They're, they're bored. They're in pain. There's no movement. Blah blah blah. And yet, with this system, the teacher becomes um, more of, of a support than you know a hand me down. This is the way it is, et cetera. And what he learned through by setting these computers up in these centers, the kids taught each other. They jumped in, and it became a cooperative thing. And he says the, the traditional system is all wrong now because when they come out, they don't work as single individuals. He says we have a system where we teach that the individual is separate from the rest of the class, and we based his achievement on what he does rather than working with the people within it. And it's it's outdated. It's obsolete. It's not going to last. And so they compete rather than cooperate. So you're starting to see this Come into being. At least I've seen pockets of it here in the States. So I think you will see. I don't know, you know, maybe it's going to take longer in England, but I think we're starting. Most people are beginning to talk about this that the marriage of the technology and the education is going to give us results way beyond what we did before.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, the system is, bro- is is not, you know, great at all, and, and is very broken. But I think when we have a child that's in the system, um, what you know, what, when we keep telling our kid that, you know, well, school's broken or school this, it, you know, we need to – it doesn't help them. <laughs>
1: because actually, right. the, at the moment, this is the system we're I, using. I see your point. I yeah. do. I, yeah. I understand what you're saying now. In other words, you don't say to the kid, you know um, – well, you can get these. I don't care. Uh, you know, it's the yeah, and, right and it's a allowing. Lot of, yeah,
2: a lot of parents do that here. You know, well, school doesn't matter. I've never needed to learn anything, you know, used used anything that I learned at school, you know. And, and that all might be true, you know, and that all might be true. Uh, however... It's not helpful for the child. The child's in that system. The child's well, got well, the what I what I do yeah.
1: agree with you're saying. <laughs> hey, look, at Whether it's you're going to use it or not, it's a it's a game. Do you want to you want to compete in the game and prove that you you're a good uh, contestant, that you you can achieve, that you can actualize yourself? Because there is, you know, I I remember you know, uh, doing this in college. You know, I I kind of played like everybody else, and I saw my grades go from A's to C's and B's. And then Mm -hmm. the last couple of semesters, I decided to pour it on, and it was a great feeling to see Dean's Mm -hmm. List. So I see what you're saying.
2: Yeah, you know, and I think that we give too many kids too many excuses not to do well at school, and actually we should be not lowering the expectation. Well, and 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 again, you know, if
1: that were... See, the thing is if that's going to be challenged, then you say to the kid, "What is it that you want to achieve?" Yeah. And let's see you, you know, do you want to be the next great guitarist or do you want to be the next great artist or the next great author? Uh well, let's see what you do, but you you're not going to be allowed to just, you know, settle or be mediocre. That and I this is where I agree with you. Why why settle on mediocrity?
0: Mhm.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I, so I think that you know, we stop having to blame pressure and blame what really is the problem. Yeah, and, and, you know, our kids are not, they're, they're stressed and under pressure because we tell them they are. You know, actually, when, when you talk to them, um, you know, the pressure, and the, the stress and the pressure is coming from outside of them rather than inside. Right. And that's got, you know, that's got to stop,
0: really.
1: Exactly. Well, as always, so much fun. <laughs> And so challenging. I, I, you are on the vanguard of some great stuff. And you know, getting, <laughs> I love to see, I loved watching all the controversy and all of the, the back and forth. And you looked fantastic on television. You fit right Thank in. You. you held your own. <laughs> uh, and the fact that you know, what an age that I can be sitting here in America and view that. And you made yes. a splash on both continents.
2: Yes, uh, yeah, knows. I don't know about any of the U.S. stuff, but yeah, apparently, yeah.
1: You know, but, I mean, kudos. And, and um, you know, to think that, isn't it fun that this all starts with these little baby steps? I mean, you've told me the story from tra- making a transition and knowing something was wrong as, as, a, as a policewoman and then doing all of this work and how all of these little steps are starting to, you're starting to see the fruit of all of that.
2: Yeah.
1: These little seeds that you plant. And I think you're a great model. You, you know, you don't don't preach you demonstrate you I mean you you show this to to your daughters and you know you don't just preach how to be a parent you you become the unconventional parent when you sit down with your daughter and write a novel with her that's i mean yes. that's beautiful stuff you know and and you write it in in you know what Again, what I, one of the things I enjoyed about the novel is it's about relation. It was about relationships, and it was about her actualizing self, but there were there were boys involved, and there were feelings involved, and there was romance mm-hmm. involved, and it was a fun thing, you see, not just this crusade of this woman to, you know, get to school and be independent and not have feelings and not care. She was very, you know, she went through the things that a teenager does and you know, I know that must have come with a lot of your input and guidance. But it was—it's a, a fun book, and and everything that you do, that I see has a fun element to it.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. We 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 definitely have to have fun. Oh, what's the point? I don't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly. And uh, I love your videos. I love uh, you're doing fantastic work, and I can only see this thing escalating. Uh, and you know, I'm just proud to have. Then a little stop along the way with, with these. And like I said, someday we'll get together and I'll get these transcribed and we'll talk about making a small booklet. <laughs>
0: there you go. <laughs> Why you not? It here first. <laughs> That's
1: great. Sarah, thank you so much. Thank you. And say hi to Bronte and tell I don't um. know your other daughter's name, but tell them they've got a huge fan in the, um, in the Americas applauding every single step along the way. I think they're smart, they're sophisticated, they're stylish, and that, to me, is the kind of thing that we need to see more of. We need to see beauty on the streets.
2: Thank you. I'll, I'll
1: let them know. <laughs> All right. You have a Thank beautiful you. day. Thank you so you much.
0: Too. Bye. All right.
1: Thank you. That was Sarah Newton from the U.K. She's uh, um, You can find her on Facebook, S-A-R-A-H Newton, um, and uh, I, I'm sure her site is sarahnewton.com But uh, she's written many books about teenagers and life and uh, women And I'm, I can't wait to see her book about the uh, female archetypes All of you, have a fantastic day I'm going to sign off with my, uh, my other show, The Sugar Shack uh, Thank you so much, enjoy Oh, there's a crazy loop. Beyond the track, and everybody.